Hello everybody and welcome to the Going Up Cast, your weekly feel-good podcast with tales of trips to San Jose, the review of the final Game of Thrones episode, plenty of music to talk about, my first stint to the opera, and much, much more. I'm your host, Andrew Logan, and let's dive right into it. This might push the record for the longest episode of the Going Up cast I have ever put together. We talk about my recent trip to San Jose to see a wonderful concert. I talk about the opera Carmen. We say goodbye to Game of Thrones and a whole lot more. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. But first, if you enjoy the Going Up cast and wish to support the Going Cast, feel free to check out patreon.com forward slash going up cast where you can support me directly. Or you can check out the goingcast.com forward slash store where you can purchase some of my wonderful custom audiobook readings of whatever book you're feeling. Or if you just want a random book, feel free to check out that mystery book option. Hook yourself up with something tasty and sweet. And I hope you enjoy this week's episode because it's a long one. We're going to be here for a while. So settle on in, grab a drink, unless you're at work, in which case, uh, take a break. You deserve it. Let's move on to the next thing in podcast. And so it comes to an end. Game of Thrones is finally over. And who would have thought that I would end up eating my own words and that I was utterly convinced got a shadow of a doubt that they were not going to pull off a good ending they were they weren't going to do it they shot themselves in the foot they dug themselves a grave it was all over you know i would change a couple of things for sure but by and large that's a fairly competent ending at least in my opinion um i feel like it goes pretty much the way it should have. So let's talk about it. Um, by and large, the the devastation of King's Landing um, all but convinced uh, Tyrion that Danny wasn't the right chick for the job, and um, by kind of playing to John's. Uh, loyalties to the realm and him being a shield to the realms of men um, urges John to eventually put Danny down which he does do Drogon takes her corpse and just flies off um, and that's basically the end of that and um, John is then sentenced by the the council of the lords and ladies of Westeros and their new king Bran the Broken um, which is a fine choice for a king. Um, Tyrion's reasonings there were pretty sound. I I can appreciate it. I think um, it makes a lot of sense. I enjoy the fact that Tyrion is still hand of the king um, as almost a form of penance for his crimes. Um, good good on that. Sansa declared the North an independent kingdom and became queen herself, which makes sense. Arya set sail west of Westeros uh, to see what's out there, um, which maybe her desire to explore the world um, was more well-developed in the latter half of the show. That seemed kind of out of left field for me, but whatever. Don't really care on that front because it's the end of the show and she's not going to find anything because it's just going to be a big old fucking ocean. Um, and then John goes back to the Night's Watch, or so it seems. Um, the end is pretty ambiguous, but I'd be willing to bet that John just said fuck it and went north with the Wildlings, and that's the end of that. Um, which honestly would be pretty fitting his character too. Um, damn them, they they did a god dang decent job. Um, I would have preferred the last like kind of conversation scene not to be with the small council but to be with John and Tormund uh, at Castle Black perhaps that's just a personal preference on my part uh, that's how that's how I would have preferred that to go down because I think they're more interesting characters but I appreciate the humor of the small council scene uh, it was it was pretty it was pretty uh, light um, I wish there was a bit more on a you know four years later sort of like time like a sense of how much time has passed because 
Like the small council chamber looked pretty untouched. So it had to be uh, hopefully sometime since the uh, the war. But they were also talking about rebuilding like the docks and the ships and stuff of King's Landing. So there's that. Um, and, you know, it probably isn't really their fault because we can't expect them to hit every note of things to wrap up. But it also really kind of seemed like there were maybe 12 people left in King's Landing um, and that the city was ashes. It would have been nice to see like a wide shot of the city. Like the repair process, I think would have been nice um, to see like people having come back to the city. Cause right now it seems like Bran is king of like a dozen people and nobody else knows about it. Cause we didn't get that, that scene. We needed that scene of other, like just everyday normal Joes just being like receiving the news, you know? I wish that happened because as of right now, it just seemed like you're king. Who have we told? Nobody. All right, well, let's just start doing shit then. Um, no problem. Uh, I don't know. That seemed like a lot to swallow. I like the fact that Brand is king and I enjoy the small council, but you know, what's to say like two weeks from that moment we saw when the rest of the realms figure out what the fuck just happened and they were like, oh, hell no. You know, I don't know, but you can't get it all in a finale. Uh, sadly enough. So I, I like, you know what? I, I think I actually enjoyed it. It was probably the best episode of the season. Um, I love the fact that John goes back to the Night's Watch. Um, I was, I, it, I, at the beginning of that scene, I was like, is he just Lord Commander again? Cause that seems, now he left. Like he, he, he was like, now my watch has ended. Y'all fuckers killed me. I'm out. So it didn't make sense for him to be Lord Commander again. Um, but it does make sense that he's just like, fuck it, and just goes north of the wall, and that's it. Um, especially when he when he pet ghost. Yay. Um, like we always wanted. So, you know, there's a couple of loose ends. Like, just how do they go on? Um, and like with any good show, we're going to be left to basically forever wonder how, how they progress. You know? There's no shitty Harry Potter epilogue on this chunk. You know, there might be in the book, but it wasn't in the show. And uh, I'd be willing to bet that the book is going to end... I would say it's going to end differently. But if the book ended the way the show did, I think I'd be okay with that too. Because I think this ending is pretty solid. How we got here was horrible and bullshit. And I think arriving at this conclusion in the books will be far more satisfying. Um, that's just kind of where I'm at right now. I enjoyed the ride... And I also liked how, in the end, um, they they really kind of went with the with the story thing, right? Bran is king because he's the keeper of their stories. He's the the their history embodied in a person. Uh, and they even talked about the the wars after Robert Baratheon and how that's the Song of Ice and Fire, meaning that everything we just saw in universe exists as that story. And you can even take that concept beyond the show we just watched. And referred to the show we just watched in that this was the story. You know, we, we saw it. And I, for one, in, was very much in love with the fact that one of the final shots is a mirror off the very first shot of the show, which is which was of John and Tormund through the gates opening beneath the wall. Um, I liked that a lot. And I wonder if they're going to repair the damage done to the wall now that there no longer is need for a wall. Who's to say, you know, the Night's Watch job, you know, with the, with the wildling thing no longer being a threat and the White Walkers no longer being a thing, what do they have to be afraid of, you know? It seemed like that whole, that whole wall business is no longer needed, which means the Night's Watch is no longer needed, but I'm sure they'll come up with something. And now I'm off to see what everybody else thought of the finale, because uh, I enjoyed it and I'm probably going to be in the minority there because there's a lot of butthurt people out there people there's a lot people are salty about game of thrones what did you think of the finale or did i just ruin all of it for you in which case i apologize uh but <laughs> email me at goingcast.gmail.com and let's talk about it because say for better or worse one of the most popular shows of all time came to an end this past week i hope you saw it because you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be one of those finales that people will be like, oh yeah, I remember when I saw this finale. And you know what? I think it'll be I think it'll be worth talking about. Game of Thrones changed the game of what a TV show could be. 
And even though that last couple of seasons were pretty hit and miss, I think it stuck the landing as best it could and will will live on as the the pinnacle of fantasy, high fantasy drama TV shows with a high fucking budget. So now we have to look forward to the many, 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 many Game of Thrones spinoffs, um, which I might be interested. I don't know. We'll just we'll see. You know, I'm ready to fall in love with a new band of characters. It's a rich world. You know, HBO has proven that at least in the beginning they knew what they were doing. But um, maybe going whole cloth into untouched realms might not be the way to go. But who's to say? And I'm looking forward to the Lord of the Rings show on Amazon because that's probably going to be the next one. The next big like fantasy show we all cling on to. Um, but I'm also going to probably cancel my HBO subscription. Well, but not just yet. I need to finish rewatching it um, and enjoy the rest of it. And then once I'm done, then I'll then I'll let it go. Then I'll let it slide. But uh, good on you, Game of Thrones. I appreciated the ending. And uh, let's move on to the next thing of the podcast. In addition to the lovely Devin Townsend, I've got two more songs of the week I want to talk about this week, and unfortunately, there's no cover this week because both of these songs are far beyond my abilities to cover, but for completely different reasons. First song I want to talk about uh, ties in nicely with the concert I just saw, that's right, it's an Avantasia song, it's called Mystery of a Blood Red Rose, came out of the Ghost Lights album released in December 11th, 2015. It is reminiscent of Meatloaf with its over-the-top um, delivery and the epicness of the music, which really ties into Avantasia as a whole. And it was probably my favorite song they performed at the uh, at the show, right up there next to um, The Raven Child, which is a god-tier song. And y'all should take a listen to it on the Going Cast playlist. And then, of course, because I saw Carmen, I would be remiss if I did not put... A Carmen song on the playlist because despite my issues with the opera as a whole, the music is uh, very fucking good. So I went with the Torador song, uh, which is about the um, uh, the Matador, and it is pretty upbeat. Um, it doesn't really matter what the song is about because it, there's no lyrics, so who cares? Um, on my version of the song, there are in the on the on the on stage version, but it's just kind of like meh, shrug. Um, yeah, it's it's a good song. There's a couple of great songs out of Carmen, but this one was the uh, was the one I decided to go with because I thought it fit the the bill the best. So if you have a suggestion for song of the week, feel free to send in those suggestions at goncast.com forward slash contact page or email me at goncast at gmail.com. Let's move on to the next thing. Okay. This week is just chock a block full of shit I did. I went to San Jose, Game of Thrones ended. And I watched my first opera. That's right. I went and got me some culture. Went over to the McCaw Hall in Seattle to see Carmen, which was it was, was alright. Was alright. Um, I I was I I rate and di- like digested the opera like I would any piece of media. I look for the um, the development of the characters. I look for the plot and the story and the conveyance of the tale to the audience. I look for things like the musicality of it, the production of it, the acting of it. I look at like all these elements that make a good story. And you can have a good story with bad actors and you can have great actors with a bad story. Um, and it's, I don't think the method of storytelling, um, can be excused when telling a story because whether it's on stage or in a book or on the screen or to a friend, the art of telling a story is universal. You know, there's, there are things you do and there are things you don't do. And I don't think... We can't. All right. So let's let me get right to it. The story of Carmen is thin. There's not a lot there. There's a dude and a chick, and the chick cuts the chick in the face, and the dude that likes the chick gets sent to jail, gets out of jail, becomes like a like a 
you know, uh, the the word used in the on the um, the opera was uh, bohemian, but uh, basically abandons the army to be with the chick, and lot a lot a lot of them the chick dies, and it's just kind of like there isn't a lot there. The synopsis of the story is the entire story, and I could have told this story in virtually any other medium in about five minutes. Um, it's a three-hour opera, so padding is how I would phrase it. There's a lot of padding, and they take a very long time to say not a lot. Like, there was a song that was a good five to seven minutes long about how he's like, oh, I love you, oh, I love you too, no, I know I don't, fuck you. That was basically the message of the song. So, it was, it was, it was needlessly long. And then I hear things about, like, this, there was a, there was a Wagner opera called The Ring, which apparently is 17 hours long, told over five days of operas with, like, hour-long intermissions. And I'm just like, okay, now, I, uh, for, I can appreciate the spectacle of something, 100%. You know, Endgame was three hours long, right? But there was a lot of fucking story to tell there. Not once did I think Endgame was padded in its runtime. Not once did that thought ever occur to me. Watching Carmen, on the other hand, certainly seemed that they were just stretching that shit out for no good reason. Um, I will say, though, that the music of Carmen, there's a couple of songs on there that are pretty iconic and pervasive in, in like popular culture nowadays that I knew before I saw the opera. Just from being alive, I had heard these songs. And to me, these songs were ruined <laughs> with the addition of vocals. Because I had always heard the instrumentals, and the instrumentals are solid. I personally believe that the story would have been better told in just with the music. And that's not opera, that's ballet. And ballet is more approachable than opera is, in my opinion. Because ballet tells a story with body language and music, and that's it. That's why the Nutcracker is so timeless. Because no matter who you are or what language you speak, you can understand the story of the Nutcracker told through the performance of the tale. That's a good story. It is told well. The, the message gets across. Carmen is sung in French, granted with subtitles. But honestly, the, the, the subtitles, I think, do the performance a disservice. Because... The performers rely on the subtitles to carry the story while they focus on singing and doing that kind of stuff. If you didn't have the subtitles and just went and saw Carmen, you would have no idea if you didn't speak the language. And even then, I challenge people to be able to understand what the fuck is being said, right? Because I'm reading the subtitles and I'm listening to the words and I cannot pick out the words from their style of singing. Um, you know, perhaps that's me. Maybe I don't have an ear for it, but I I don't think if it, like if I have to rely on the subtitles to understand the story, that is a big part of it. But I think there are other ways, as proven with ballet, of conveying a story beyond words. It's possible people do it all the fucking time. That's kind of one of the big things. It's always show, don't tell. That's the thing. You show people the relationships in your tale. You you show them the action. You don't tell people about it. Carmen and any opera with subtitles, you are being told the story. Like, you have methods of conveying that tale on the stage with body language and getting it across, but you don't know the, 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 you don't know the breakdown. You don't know the relationships. You don't understand who these people are or what they're doing or why. You don't. It doesn't get across, which is bad storytelling. Anyway, you slice it. I don't like I don't think it gets a pass because it's oh, it's opera. It's the it's the like the like oldest whatever. You know, it's classic. That's the highest of highbrow art consumption. I don't think it gets a pass. At least not in my book. Bad storytelling is bad storytelling. The music is phenomenal. I can't shake a stick at that. And yes, the opera singers were wonderful, but it was never my jam to begin with, so I, uh, I will I will readily admit that I didn't think that the the uh, uh, the 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 vocal range for Carmen it was um not what I was expecting. 
Uh, it was a lot lower than I expected, which is neither here nor there. I'm just saying that it was lower than I thought it was going to be. Um, I would also say that I didn't think that some of the singers had the power in their voice that I would have expected. Um, there was this, there's a character in the second act that was the matador and, uh, he went too low in his register and lost all power in his voice. He like in the mid range, he had the power and it projected, but when he dipped down, it faded away cause he couldn't do it. He couldn't push the voice out when he went deeper in his register. And you know, perhaps that's what it always is. Like, maybe that's just the traditional way it's been done. But I sit here as an audience member and go, I could hear him for this part. I can't hear him for this part. That's not great. That lacks consistency in a performance. Therefore, the story isn't getting told. Like, you know, it's not. it was inconsistent. I'm not saying if it was good or bad, but it was not consistent. So, and even then the whole thing of the story still isn't being told very well because I have to read the subtitles and I feel like I'm missing a lot of the story. You know? There were some certain points where I'm like, there's no way this is what they just said. Because the writing was so simplistic in the subtitles. Yeah, where the message gets across that we know what they said, but it's just like, th there was no subtlety in the writing. None at all. It was just like, you know, Hey, I love you. Uh, no, I don't. Well, fuck you. This is like, it was very dry and clear cut. And I'm just like, this can't be it. This can't be it. And there wasn't many moments of, you know, with, with musicals there, you, there's emotion in the singing and it carries like different songs are sung in different ways. But with, with this opera, at least, they never really seemed to change how they sung a song. You know, it's done in that classic opera style. Yeah, they got softer and louder and all that stuff, but when they sang angry, it sounded just like when they sang sad. It sounded just like when they sang happy. Like, if it wasn't for the music, to, like kind of carrying the rest of the song with like upbeat major chords and high floating flutes and strings and it's all happy and stuff and like you can just figure that out and you get the emotion with, through the combination of everything going on it really seemed like like as an opera singer you sing like an opera singer and opera singers have this certain quality that people expect and they perform in a certain way and that and they never deviate from that that's just what it is 100% just all the time it's just like bam you go to an opera you know exactly what you're fucking getting into so as a genre, it's consistent, but it's just like, I don't know. I feel like I got more, I can I can get a more emotional performance from a musical or indeed a ballet that I got from the opera. So perhaps, perhaps I'm off base. Perhaps I am an uncultured swine and I cannot appreciate the fine subtleties of opera. But as far as I can tell, and as far as I'm concerned, it is not a decent storytelling medium. And I believe there are far better ways to convey a story that can, you know, this, the story of Carmen can be told in minutes, but perhaps that isn't the point. Perhaps the point of opera is to enjoy the spectacle of it, to which I would say it still wasn't very good. As a story, it was subpar. And as a spectacle, it was subpar. The set design was phenomenal. Clearly a bunch of money went into this and it showed. The music, the instrumentals of the opera are phenomenal. I love that classical kind of music. It's fantastic. I love that shit. It's so good. And I cannot deny that some of those songs from Carmen are iconic. So I'm not saying anything bad about any of that. It's just all the other elements came together to provide a less than pleasurable viewing experience that was needlessly long, very expensive, when I don't think it should be. And yeah, that's right. I'm pulling back the fucking curtain on opera. That's right. It ain't worth it. A little too, a little too much for uh, for this guy here. But that's just my opinion. Um, I don't know why I feel like this is going to be such a divisive topic. I can't imagine that many of the people that listen to this particular podcast have also seen opera. But I'm here to tell you that unless you're just the biggest fan of that particular opera. 
like you've heard the music and read the story and know exactly what you're getting into there's not much there for you um personally as far as i'm concerned i prefer ballet for the reasons i've listed um but i prefer musicals to ballet and i prefer concerts to musicals and i prefer movies and concerts probably tied it really depends on who the concert is and what the what the movie is but if you're if you want to I would say if you're going to experience one of these these high culture events like opera or ballet or musicals, um, I don't really think musicals are very... They're not in the same echelon. Um, like, there's a SpongeBob SquarePants musical. Let's call a spade a spade, all right? That's kind of more family entertainment at this point. But um, if you had to pick one, I would recommend as a good entry point, the the Nutcracker Ballet would be would be my recommendation. Based on what I've experienced, I would start there. Because the beauty of the Nutcracker is that all the good songs and all the good storytelling and all the good performances are in the first fucking act and then you can just leave. Because there's nothing worth seeing in the second act. There isn't. I don't care if you... I want to see how the story plays out. The story is told in the first act and the second act is superfluous nonsense. So if you want to see something short and sweet, it takes like a fucking... like an hour out of your day. Go see the first act of the Nutcracker. You won't regret it. At least I didn't. It was it was wonderful, and don't waste your time with the second act. It isn't it isn't worth it. There's there's nothing to be gained from seeing the second act. You can, you'd be better spent being like that was a great story, short, sweet, succinct. You understood everything that was going on. You got all the players. You got it all. You know, it's that's just my opinion. And this this podcast is nothing if not my opinion. Thank you for listening to my opinion, and we will now move on to more of my opinions in this podcast. Another week, another lovely batch of Harry Potter chapters. This week, we've got three cracking, cracking chapters that I want to tell you a little about. we got chapter 16, A Very Frosty Christmas, chapter 17, A Sluggish Memory, and chapter 18, Birthday Surprises, wherein we find the greatest surprise of all, the death of an incompetent character. Let's take a listen. He hurtled back to Ron's side, wrenched open his jaw, and thrust the bezoar into his mouth. Ron gave a great shudder, rattling gasp, and his body became limp and still. Finally! He's dead! Woo! Ron Weasley's finally kicked the goddamn bucket! We can get a good fucking third character in these stories now that he's dead. Oh, thank God! Guys, the nightmare's over! Everybody raise your glasses to the death of Ron Weasley! Oh, my God! Oh, that drink has never tasted so good! Oh, fuck you, Ron! Fuck you with the burning passions of a million burning suns as I watch your corpse be incinerated before my eyes. Fuck you, Ron. Three brand new chapters land every Wednesday night, unless I forget, in which case it'll go up on Thursday, unless I forget, in which case it'll go up when it goes up. And uh, I hope you hope you enjoy them. We're rapidly approaching the end of this book. We've only got a couple weeks left. I know I'm going to miss it just as much as y'all, but... Hey, you know what? There's nothing more um, uh, encouraging me to finish book seven than the fact that I'm pretty soon going to run out of chapters and really need to record book seven. So get excited for that. Let's move on to the next thing of the podcast. Hey, 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 gang. That's right. It is I coming to you live from San Jose, California where I just got out of a three-hour concert with Aventasia. And I thought I'd tell you a little bit about about the concert and about the trip and all this fun stuff. Because, you know what, that's kind of kind of what I live for. I'm just, right now I'm sitting in my enormous windowsill. Um, and I love me a good sitting windowsill. It is easily one of my favorite things in this world, which might sound kind of strange, but I've got a lot of great memories tied to sitting in windowsills. Anyway, I'm staring out at the uh, Civic Center right now, uh, where there's still a massive crowd of people, presumably waiting for like Ubers and shit, which I can actually see on like the other side of the street, and they are actively pulling up right now. And it was a man, it was a, it was a show. Let me tell you about it. So, I like here. You know what? Let me start at the beginning. I woke up today. And uh, my voice is a little hoarse because I was just been singing and screaming for three hours. Um, woke up and I had to drive to the airport, which all went fine. And I parked at the lot, which was cool because it was like, oh, I can just, I can just do this. Fuck, I didn't know that. And now I know. And it was, it's fucking sweet. Uh, expensive. It's five dollars an hour 
to park there. Uh, so that means come tomorrow it'll be like 50, 60 bucks. I don't know. I'm not good at math. Anyway, I did that. Got on my plane. Um, it was uh, a crying child in front of me, crying child behind me, and crying child across the aisle from me. And it was uh, kind of a full blast music sort of event. Um, oh, look, the crowds are vanishing as they all get in their Ubers. And unlike me, who I parked, or I didn't park, um, I got a hotel literally across the street. So I just, just walked for fucking 30 seconds and I was back in my room and it was, oh, it was amazing. So, yeah, the flight was fine. A um, little, little, little noisy, a little loud. Um, not my general forte when it comes to fucking flights, but, you know, can't win them all. And so, landed a-okay. I uh, got my carry-on because I didn't check it back because I'm only here for the fucking night. And I called an Uber and they brought me straight to the hotel where there was a sea of incredibly well-dressed youthful to very old people um and they were all wearing like these kind of they all had similar um like they had like this crest on their on their blazers and it was all like purple and gold and all this stuff and i'm like looking around going like there's a lot of people here it must be some kind of event or something like that and uh from doing a little digging i found out that they're all here for like a fraternity thing um i'm not sure if it's a reunion or just like an event but it was it's a it's a crew from people my age to people times my age 50 you know it was a it was a motley bunch and i was able to get inside i was just drinking water i was able to get into my room two hours early which was super nice and um the room is solid uh you can check out my uh, my instagram video i did um but i probably post it on the um I'll post pictures. I can post pictures. Uh, there'll be some cool stuff on the blog that you can check out from my trip, uh, including tons of pictures from um, the show tonight. I might have to make like a gallery just for that um, so I can go in depth about who was on stage and where they're from and how fucking awesome everybody sounded. Anyway, um, yeah, I got to the room, uh, took a bath, uh, which is something I very much enjoy doing, especially when the bathtub is this fucking deep, the water level would come up to like my shoulders. I was completely submerged. Never had that in a bathtub before. It was glorious. I did that for like a fucking solid hour. It was great. And then I hopped in another Uber and I rode out to, um, San Jose is an interesting place. I like it a lot. Um, it's got, it's very, it's very different is how I'm going to describe it. Um, it's different because the downtown area comprises of maybe a dozen um, significantly tall buildings. And that's, it's kind of like L.A., right? Where L.A. is massive, but it's all like single-level structures that just goes for miles. And that's what San Jose is. It's predominantly residential, which I think is very interesting because as I was driving around like my Uber, I saw virtually no one anywhere. It was weird. It was like... um. It's like post-apocalyptic, or how I'm kind of phrasing it now. Being in San Jose is like being back in time. Like, I think I'm a little spoiled uh, when it comes to just a sheer, like, density of people living in Seattle. There's, like, over a million of us all in this little spot. So you see people fucking everywhere, and you get used to it. You come out to San Jose, and it's the third largest city in California, and I saw, like, fucking nobody anywhere. And it kind of freaked me out. I'm like, where are all the people? I saw more redwoods than I, than I did people. It was crazy. Um, but it's also kind of nice. It feels like a small town in a way. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know where anything is. Because it's enormous. So I went out to this uh, place called Luna Mexican Kitchen. I just did a quick like Google search uh, when I got to the hotel. And it was like food near me. And it was like number three with over a thousand positive reviews. And I was like, that sounds pretty good. Call an Uber, head on over there. It was eight minutes away, not problem. And uh, sat down, gotta love it when it's like, hi, how can I help you? I was like, table for one? And they're like, for one? And I was like, look, <laughs> yes, I said for one. I'm here alone. Don't bring it up again. Just sit me down <laughs> so I can get some fucking food. And um, I got their ceviche, which was good. Um, I, I had to keep reminding myself that they are they were a restaurant of like, farm to table, simple ingredients, that sort of stuff, because I was like, oh, this is delicious. It's marinated or lime marinated cod. And that's all you tasted was lime juice and the texture of the fish. 
Um, not that it was bad by any means, but it's just kind of like, it was very one note. Lime. You like lime? It's the dish for you. That's all you get. Um, the salsas were tasty. The tortilla chips, I think, are made because they make, they home make their own corn tortillas. I believe they then chop those tortillas up and fry them. They are significantly thicker than store-bought tortilla chips. And the only way you can get tortilla chips like this is if you take tortillas and chop them up and fry them. That's that's the only way I know because I've done it. That's how that's how I knew they were legitimate tortilla chips. Very tasty, but they were three times the thickness that I'm used to. Um, so it was like kind of it's kind of crunchy. I'll say it was very crunchified. Um, I'm also staring at the what I presume is the Adobe headquarters, which is pretty cool. Hi, Adobe. Your software is pretty cool. I don't know how to use it. Anyway, uh, yeah, I had the ceviche and then perodias. I think it's basically a fajita, but it came with garlic butter and sweet potato. And I was like, what the fuck? What a blend of flavors. And he's like, you gotta try the chicken with the garlic butter. It's amazing. And in my head, I'm like, of course it's amazing. It's garlic butter. But in Mexican food? No way, Jose. Let's give this a shot. And so I made my little fajita with their homemade corn tortillas. And I put chicken in there and I put the beans and the rice and the guacamole and the pico de gallo and some sweet potato, which is fucking... What? <laughs> and then I drizzled the whole thing in garlic butter. Now, of course it tasted amazing, but it might surprise you to say that the garlic butter did not overtake the entire meal. It certainly was present in the meal, and it's not a flavor I ever would have associated with the Mexican food because it's fucking garlic butter and that belongs on pizza and seafood, and that's about it. Um... But the combination of the garlic butter, the fried, or the, um, the grilled chicken, and the fucking sweet potato made this creamy quality to it that is fascinating. Not, I'm still not sure if it was good or bad, but I finished the whole thing, except for the garlic butter, because that was like a shot worth of garlic butter, and that's far too much garlic butter for anybody. Um, but it, it's, you know... Yes, it did taste better with garlic butter, but everything tastes better with garlic butter because it's fucking garlic butter. It is melted butter with garlic in it. It is pure flavor. Of course it tastes good. Anything will taste good if you drown in enough garlic butter. So I'm not sure if it's like an innovation or just like, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. Um, and I got this cocktail that I can't remember the name of, but it was basically a margarita with a jalapeno in it. And it was fucking delicious. And then I called another Uber and I rode back to the hotel because at that time it was 5 o'clock and I knew the doors didn't open at the Civic Center until 7. So I was like, all right, well then I'll hang out in the room, charge my phone, you know, figure out what time my plane is tomorrow, which is 10.15 in the morning, which means I need to be up and at the airport by like at the latest, I would say 9. So um, that's kind of where I'm shooting. I've got alarm set for 6.30 and 7. So, I will be a sleepy boy tomorrow for sure. Anyway, I came back to the room, hung out, went over, got my ticket. Um, came back to the room because, again, it's right across the street and I wasn't standing in line like a schmuck. Um, and then uh, doors opened and we went on in. Got my t-shirt, Natch. Uh, it is the album art of their latest album, Moonglow, which is fucking god tier and I love it. Um, and the tour dates for their concert, for their world tour that they're doing right now. Let's see here. They just got back from um, Australia. And let's see, I saw them. There it is. So they were at Melbourne at the Forum three days ago. And now they're at San Jose and the National Civic Center. And next they're in Anaheim at the uh, National Civic Center. So the concert. I got in, got my t-shirt, went right up to the fence because I was right there in like early line. And I was right up against the fence. And I've said it for years, and I will say it till the day I die. There is no nicer, kinder, more welcoming fan base than metalheads. We are the best. You can make a friend fucking anywhere. It's a metal show. We're all there for the same reason. We all jam on the same shit. We all operate on the same frequency. It's crazy. You meet these people for the first time, you make a friend for life, and you'll never see him again. It's the fucking best. You only get it with metal shows. You only get it with metal shows. I will say the one time I didn't feel this level of kinship at a metal show was when I went to a fucking, like, festival and Bullet for My Valentine played, and I wanted to punch every single one of those fucking dickheads, but 
Not this show. This is a power metal show from Europe. You know exactly what kind of crowd you're going to get in on. And fucking, they were crazy. I loved it. They were top drawer. The problem was, uh, <laughs> it was a massive venue. Could easily hold several thousands of people. Probably held... Oh, drop my water bottle. If I had to actually estimate, maybe 1,200 to 1,500. It was about a quarter full. And I, personally, felt really bad about that. Because these guys came. They are five North American tour dates. The next one's in Anaheim, right? Southern California. And the Bay Area is known for having a really strong metal community. There's been a lot of great bands to come out of the Bay Area. There's been even more metal bands to come out of Anaheim and the Los Angeles area. So I'm hoping that Los Angeles can kind of rally the troops, so to speak, because they mentioned it several times that this was the smallest audience of the tour. And, of course, they followed up with, But you guys are incredible. Your passion is through the roof. We fucking love you. But I'm just like, I, could, I can tell. Like, I've been to shows where the band was positive. I've been to shows where the band was meh. And I've been to shows where the band was pissed. And these guys were a little bummed, I could tell. Um, and they were talking about, like, coming back to Santa. They're never coming back. <laughs> they, they didn't get the people, man. Um, they could have played in a venue, th like, a third the size. And probably would have sold that one out. And everybody would have shown up. But it was just, like, I felt pretty bad that uh, it wasn't a sold-out show and packed to the brim. Um, and it also felt kind of lacking because of that. Like, I was up against the fence, and I had room to breathe and room to move, and that's never fucking happened before at a metal show. Never. Usually, I'm being crushed by giant fat people, or I'm, like, sweating my ass off. And no, but this one, I was like, I had bottles of water near my feet, I was reaching down, no problem. I don't know. So, for me, the concert experience was solid. Really enjoyed it. Uh, the venue was gorgeous. You'll see pictures of that on the blog. Um, old school venue, like like old school theater sort of thing. Oh, it felt so cool. I love it. It was it was exactly the kind of venue. If I closed my eyes and pictured like, what would a San Jose music venue look like? This. It would look like fucking this. That's exactly what I pictured. It is old world joy, is what the Civic Center is. Um, I'm gonna take another picture of it here out of my window before I go to bed. So. Concert starts, and for me, one of the big reasons I saw this band, besides the fact that they're awesome, is because a couple of the vocalists have sung on Arion albums, namely the lead singer Tobias and one of the guest vocalists, Jorn Land, who is a personal idol of mine. His voice is incredible, and um, I've kind of made it one of my life goals to see as many vocalists as I can that have sung on Arion albums. After I see Arion live, I'm basically done, because um, that's like... 15 or 16 of them kind of in one fell swoop and I've seen others like Bruce Dickinson and Russell Allen and Tobias and Jorn now. Um, there's only two left on the list of significant note that I will see at some point. Hansi of Blind Guardian and Mike Mills of Toehider and I have no idea how I'm going to see that son of a bitch alive because he always he doesn't leave Australia when he tours so I'm going to have to take one hell of a trip to see him play live and that's going to be fucking worth it. Anyway. These guys played for three hours. They played almost every song off their new album, Moonglow, except for Pipers at the Gates of Dawn, which is a bummer, because that's like my fucking favorite track on the album, but you know what, I'm over it. Um, and unfortunately, even though I made a playlist of their music, of the songs they were going to play tonight, so I could listen to it in advance, once they got about through the halfway point and had finished playing Moonglow, I didn't know the rest of the songs. And I felt really bad because I was like, feel like it's my duty as an audience member to participate, you know, to sing along or to dance or whatever. And when you're that close to the stage and the singer's looking right the fuck at you and you're mouthing along just kind of general lyrics because you don't know the words and just nodding and smiling like, yeah, it's music. Um, I feel bad because it's like, I don't know, the passion isn't there. So that's, I can feel like that's my responsibility as a. Audience member to bring the bring the noise, bring the thunk, and I didn't bring any noise or any funk. Um, well, I did in the beginning because Ravenchild is a musical masterpiece, and it's in my head right there next to fucking Stairway to Heaven. It's so goddamn good. Anyway, the show was awesome. Um, the, the 
what really surprised me, and I guess I shouldn't have been surprised because everybody that was a guest vocalist sang on Moonglow, that's why they were there, that's why it's the Moonglow World Tour, um, but they sang a bunch of songs from like earlier albums that they may not have sang on originally, I don't know, because uh, again, I didn't know the music. My left elbow is fucking gone. Ugh. Anyway, um, they were... <laughs> They didn't. I don't want to. I don't want to belittle them, but they are up there in years, for sure. And the thing that blew my mind was how incredible they all sounded. Still, like dude from Mr. Big, dude from Queens, They are killing it up there. Dude from Magnum, looking like fucking Bob Kelso from Scrubs up there. Dude, fucking could shriek like I've never heard. It was crazy cool. They all still have their pipes. And they are taking good goddamn care of them. And they were fucking lead singers, all of them. Stage presence galore. It was incredible. It was such a show. Um, yeah, three hours. And uh, at the end, you know, they all come on, sing a song together. They all take their bow, just throwing picks off the stage. I got one. I got one of the picks. And based on the scuffed up nature of it, I think they actually fucking used it. So that's pretty goddamn cool. I'm putting it in my um, like my medicine bag just because I don't want to fucking lose it. Um, and it's a weird looking pick too. It's um, I don't even know how to describe it. It looks like a triangle basically, um, but it's not like the perfect triangle one. It's a bit more rounded than that. Um, there'll be a picture on the blog of the of the Aventasia section where I talk about how Bob Cadley was fucking killer and Ronnie Atkins and Jordan Land and all the other ones. Oh man. Yeah, the crowd was really solid, and now it's like, there's no clock in this room, is there? It's 11.46. There it is, 11.46 at night. I have to wake up in about six, seven hours. Uh, that's a decent night's sleep, I suppose. Head off back to the airport, eat breakfast somewhere. I presume there are restaurants in the airport. There's restaurants in every airport. Um, it's actually kind of blowing my mind how many people are still like out and about. All the, all but one, maybe? All but one metalhead have have gone away. Sorry, I'm just hearing noises while I sit in my window, so probably somebody next door listening to TV or whatever. But yeah, that was the uh, that was the concert, and it was it was a joy. Also, this is like hanging out in my room. I found eleven pesos on the ground, like. A $1 peso and a $10 peso. I don't know what the exchange rate is of these things. I'm guessing it's poor, but that's free money right there. Free money, Jack. I'll head over to the um, <laughs> the currency exchange in the airport and be like, what's the, what can you give me for 11 pesos? And they'll be like, 75 cents. I'll be like, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. I don't, I don't think it's that extreme, but it was still like, ooh, free money. So I'm just... I know there's a story, because it was like underneath the TV, I was just like, oh, what the hell's that shiny thing? Holy crap, it's 10 pesos. Why is it there? Who left it there? How much is 11 pesos worth? I have no idea, but I'm gonna put that in my, put that in my medicine bag too and bring it home and figure it out. So yeah, I would rate the concert a fucking nine out of 10, and the only reason it's not a perfect 10 out of 10 is because the audience wasn't fucking there. So it's our fault that the concert wasn't a 10 out of 10, not theirs. They fucking put their best work for us, and I loved it. City of San Jose deserves greater investigation. I feel like one night is not enough time to spend fucking anywhere. Um, especially when I wasn't actually seeing any of the sights. I was just here for a show. So yeah, like everybody I was talking to in the city were talking about the Sharks. And it took me until like seeing a billboard to figure out that the Sharks was actually their fucking hockey team. We're actually doing pretty well based on the conversations I had. So, San Jose, you're all right. You're all right. I would love a return visit. The temperature is nice and climate. I love the redwoods. I love them. They're so fucking huge. They're fantastic. And your sprawling metropolis of a city uh, it probably has a lot of hidden gems in it. Definitely worth poking around. So, thank you very much, San Jose, for your warm and generous welcome. And I will see you again in the future at some point but for now let's move on to the rest of the podcast
finally this week, you can hear my fan going on in the background because it's a little toasty in here, but I want to talk about something I did like two years ago that is finally done. <laughs> and it's called Larry Potter and the Rock of the Ages. It's a Gary's Mod animated film that roughly follows the plot of the first Harry Potter book. It's over two hours long. It's on YouTube, and I play Voldemort, or as he's called in the uh, in the movie, uh, Lordemort. Um, I, I used to do um, castingcall.club, which is uh, a site where aspiring young voice actors can go and be a part of fan animations and Lego stop motion things and fan dubs and anime and all sorts of fun things. And I've done a, a couple of projects um, that have been released, but uh, this one makes me laugh the hardest. So I, it's 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 quite funny. I I enjoy it. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna put a link to it uh, in the description of this episode. I think I can do that. Um, if not, I'm gonna tweet it out, or you can just look up Larry Potter and the Rock of the Ages. Uh, you'll find it. It's uh. I thought it was pretty good. And if you just want to know when I come in, about an hour and 50 minutes in, like at the climax of the film, when Voldemort shows up for the first time, that's around when I appear. So if you want to just hear my bit, that's a, that's about where it is. But I do encourage you to watch the whole thing. Uh, a lot of wonderful people uh, <laughs> worked hard on this film. And it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. It's... Um, the, the like it it's quirky and full of memes and dumb great jokes. I love it. It's fantastic. So go check out Larry Potter and the Rock of the Ages, free on YouTube right now, starring yours truly. And uh, hell, I hope you enjoyed this uber long episode of the Going Up Cast. We covered a lot of ground here, and uh, God, I had a lot of fun. But I really wanted to talk about Larry Larry Potter. And um, the fact that I, I am tossing my hat into the ring on a couple of more projects. Hopefully something cool will come down the pipeline and I'll let you know as those things progress. Um, and in case anybody was wondering, yes, I did all those lines and maybe, no, not one take. Um, some of them took more than that. But uh, God, it was fun. Uh, I completely forgot about it until I got a message and they were like, hey, this is done. And I was like, cool. And I loved it. So thank you all for listening to this week's episode. I will see you all tomorrow night for Harry Potter Chapters and next week for another episode of The Going Upcast. Talk to you all later. Voldemort out. Hello, 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 everybody. It is I coming to you live from inside my car. That's right, I am back in the wonderful state of Washington in the grand city of Seattle. It is so wonderful to be surrounded by mountains and water and green again. Honest to God, best looking state in the world. That's right, all all the world, all 50 world states, this is the best one. So, Washington rocks. Anyway, I, I had a couple of stories to tell. Number one, 11 pesos. The number of the pesos I discovered in my bedroom comes out to 57 cents USD. That is a bad exchange rate on that one, so I can see why uh, why it was left because it's virtually worthless. Um, which is a uh, which bummer. That being said, sure seems like a good time to visit Mexico because uh, that's a pretty kind exchange rate for travel. So might even look at that a little uh, a little later on, maybe next year. Who knows? I love Mexico; it's beautiful down there. So perhaps, perhaps. Although next year I'm thinking of doing uh, China. So, who knows? Maybe I'll do that instead. Anyway, that's for another time uh, for a discussion. I wanted to talk about my uh, my journey home, and uh, I had a couple stories to share, and I'm actively trying to remember them. One, I'm not 100% on, and it's mere speculation, but it sure seems pretty sketch, so I'm going to tell it. I went to uh, Jamba Juice, right? And this dude in front of me uh, orders a smoothie and a pretzel, and pays uh, for it with a $100 bill, which I'm like, okay, well, maybe he just went to, like, the currency exchange or whatever, and um, he got back, like, $90 worth of change because it was, like, you know, 
it wasn't it wasn't a lot of food he ordered and um, I ordered after him and then we're all like queuing up and line to get our food and then this dude just leaves like he he just takes off um, like not in a hurry uh, with um, just leaves he doesn't pick up his food uh, I just saw him wander off and I'm sitting there going like okay that seemed, uh, maybe he had to catch his flight but he wasn't in a hurry and if he was that close to boarding his plane why would he get a Jamba Juice that didn't make any sense then I thought about it a little bit more and I'm like maybe the $100 bill was fake and he wanted to get out of there before they discovered it and I was like okay well if that's the case why would he spend $10 because that, that was the thing that like the the addition of the pretzel was an afterthought. Like, he wanted a razzmatazz. And then, after that, he ordered the pretzel. And I'm like, if the money was fake, then why would he spend more of it? Do you know what I mean? Like, in my head, the score would be to get as much money back as possible. Because your money didn't exist, and all of a sudden, now you have $80. You know what I mean? So, that's like, that confused me. And then, the more I thought about it, I'm like... Maybe the dude was just rich as shit and didn't care. But then why go through the... I'm, I was very confused by it. Um, it didn't. It still doesn't make much sense. All of those things could be possible. Um, or maybe he just decided he didn't want it and decided that getting a refund was too much of a hassle. So he just fucked off. I don't know. Or maybe he came back later and was like, sorry, I had to go take care of a thing. Where's my food at? And they're like, oh, it's here. And they go, okay, cool. Sorry about that. And they're like, nah, it's fine. So I don't know. Unfortunately, I had to board my flight, so I could not see the end of the story. Um, oh, and this, okay. Sitting in the in the little, like, the waiting area, I guess, the gate to board my flight. Then, then over on the intercoms, they're like, flight's full of shit. If you got a carry-on that's going in the overhead storage, please come to the desk. We'll put it in the underneathy bit. You go pick up a baggage claim when you get there. And, like, nobody did it. Because, like, why would they want to? I mean, that's that's a whole other step of shit they got to do to go to baggage claim. Um, that's why people carry on so they don't have to go to baggage claim. Anyway, I always go with a backpack. Um, and I, I don't, I have never used the overhead storage bin. I always stuff my backpack, like, under the seat in front of me. So I knew it didn't affect me. Um, and even when I go on, like, long journeys... I usually have a backpack or a, a, a bag that's too large to be carried on, so I just check it anyway, so I don't give a fuck. Um, I'm still figuring out how I want to go to Amsterdam, um, because I'll be moving at least twice from location to location within the Netherlands, so I'm like, a carry-on would be nice, because it's, you know, something small to deal with, but at the same time, I won't be able to get away with anything smaller than, like, I'll have a backpack and another rolly suitcase thing that's, like, a guaranteed. So, maybe I'll just pack the big motherfucker um, with, like, some empty room in case I buy some shit. Uh, although, I don't know what that would be. Um, just so I do, just, like, toss my hands up and I just go, I don't give a fuck. It's, like, whatever. So, maybe. I don't know. Still thinking about it. That's in September. I need to finish planning that trip. Anyway, so, surprise, surprise, we all start boarding the flight and I'm in group E, which is the final group. Uh, it doesn't really fucking matter what group I'm in because we all have assigned seats, so who cares? And I'm boarding on the flight, and she's like, okay, now we're calling group E. And she points out, like, eight people in front and around me. She didn't point me out because I don't have a fucking carry-on. She's like, I need you eight people to check your bags. There is no room on the flight for your bags. Please step out of line. Go to the desk behind you, they will help you. And those eight people were fucking pissed. They're like, this is absurd. I cannot believe you're making me check my bag. I brought it on the last flight, why can't I bring it on this flight? And I'm just saying they're all smug with like my backpack with like a fucking t-shirt and a Nintendo DS and that's it. And I'm just like, I don't give a fuck. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get on the plane. And I got on the plane. And I'm walking down the aisle of the plane, and you know what I see? Do you know what I see? Fucking empty overhead luggage space in like 12 different bins. Some of them were completely empty. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh, those eight people are gonna be so fucking pissed when they get on this flight and discover that there was fucking room for their bags and they were asked to check their bags 
for no good reason. Oh my god, I loved it. I'm like the dude in front of me is like looking around, going like, "Boy, there sure is a lot of space in these overhead bins." And I just started laughing uproariously. I'm like, "Those people are so fucking pissed." Oh, oh, it gave me power. It fueled me. Oh, it was the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently what had happened was the airline has some way of telling, based on how many people are on the flight, the situation of the overhead baggage storage. Um, I'm guessing sensors or like cameras or I don't know. They have a way of telling, um, but I guess it malfunctioned for this flight. Uh, I For a while there, I was thinking like, is one person bringing like 80 things of carry-on because it's only like two per person, they should probably check those. If they're screwing over the rest of us, then that's just bullshit, but... God damn it. Just the... <laughs> they were so mad getting out of line, and then when I get on the plane ahead of them and discover all the extra space... Oh, boy! Oh, it was incredible! I fucking loved it. Holy dog biscuits. And the flight was fine. Um, by the time I got my beverage, we had begun the descent, so... Clearly, there's a much faster flight than I'm um, going to San Jose which is totally fine with me. Uh, for breakfast, I had like French toast and eggs and bacon at this, uh, what do they call it, San Jose Joe's. It was an Italian restaurant, but they were like a, a breakfast dinery joint um, with the whipped butter and the sourdough French toast. Delicious. I very much enjoyed that. Uh, and bacon was good too, and the eggs needed salt and pepper, but you know, such is life. It was a pretty dang tasty meal. Um, yeah, and the San Jose airport is, uh, it's pretty nice. I will say I blew through TSA in about three minutes, which might be a record. Um, it might be a record. I've, uh, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I know my, like, record for the longest TSA was when I was leaving Orlando, and I was there for a good 45 to 50 minutes, uh, and that sucked. Um, and I still intend on getting TSA pre at some point, but it isn't retroactive. And, I mean, the next flight I have planned, as of right now, um, is uh, to Amsterdam in September. So, and that one's like, that's like a 13, 14 hour flight. Um, and it's uh, it's non-stop, which is nice. Uh, no layover in Reykjavik, even though I kind of want to visit Reykjavik. But when I looked at, like, flights with the layover in Reykjavik, it was like four to $500 more. And I was just like, all right, well then fuck it. I'm just going to go straight to Amsterdam. Who gives a shit? Sitting by myself. Um, not like I'm, I'm flying alone, but the chair is against like a wall in the aisle. Like there's nobody near me except in front and behind. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I don't have to deal with anybody. This is going to be sweet. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And gosh, yeah, now I'm, now I'm back in Seattle, ready to do some like grocery shopping, get back in the swing of things. I've got a glo I've got the rest of today. And then my proper weekend begins tomorrow. So it's Friday for me right now. I've got two more days before I have to go to work, which is going to be fucking spectacular. I'm going to spend that time playing the Pokemans, wrapping up the podcast, doing all sorts of stuff. I'm going to uh, go into a thing tomorrow, which I'm sure you'll hear about somewhere on the podcast. Looking forward to that. And I'm also looking forward to seeing my puppy because it's been, it's been like a day and I'm sure he misses me. I also have to pay some credit card bills from a trip. So... Goodbye, money. It was nice having you. It was nice having you. But yeah, it was a it was a glorious trip. Oh, I also saw Mount Rainier out of the um out of the plane on my way home. I hopefully got some decent shots of it with my phone, and uh, you will find pictures of my whole San Jose trip, pictures of all sorts up on the blog. Go check it out, goingcast.com forward slash blog, and uh, you'll notice that there's a brand new feature on the blog where each post comes with an audio component. So you can listen to me talk about all the blog posts. Hope you enjoy that nifty handy little feature. And I will talk to you all later on in the podcast. I know this episode is filled with a lot of stories about music. Uh, particularly about the San Jose show. But I want to create a... Or correct rather a terrible injustice done to a wonderful album that came out earlier this year uh one of the songs on the going up cast song of the week playlist 
is Sprite. Sprite off of the album Empath by Devin Townsend. And there is another song on that album. That whole album is phenomenal. But I would be absolutely remiss if I did not take a second and talk about Spirits Will Collide, which is the third track off the album, which is so uplifting and moving that it had like it hasn't made me cry yet but it's it's very strong and it's very powerful and i wanted to bring your attention to it because it's fucking wonderful the song is just well first of all it's got gang vocal choir-esque singing which is just in and of itself fantastic sorry i'm pulling up the lyrics so i can actually quote these uh things correctly it's got that going on. It's got his kind of guttural vocal stylings going on, which he, it's like, that's his hallmark. Uh, he's got this kind of deep, kind of almost shouting vocal thing going on. Um, and like, you know, on paper, it might sound a little, um, it might sound like it's a little dichotomous, like it doesn't mesh well together, but you gotta hear the artistry of the song. This dude is a fucking genius. It's absurd that this stuff works out uh, the way it does. Um, uh, but there's lines in here like, um, don't you forget that you are loved. Uh, remember the flame in your heart burns strong. Remember that death, um, remember that in the end, death is not the end. Don't you forget that you are perfect. Don't you forget just who we are. We are strong enough. Like, Oh man, the message is super good and it's super strong. And I didn't catch the lyrics the first time I heard it. I, I finally clued into um what was being said when I watched the music video, which is fucking crazy and I love it. There's a good there's a gorilla that plays the bass. Oh man, it's crazy. The elephants play the drum. Oh, it's so good. It's 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 a fucking masterpiece of an album. And I know I, I toss words around like that a lot. Um and I probably said something similar when I first spoke about this album, but it is even like I don't like metal. They're like this isn't metal. This transcends, man. This shit is shit that everyone should hear. It's so strong and it's super bonkers and it goes so many places that this album is. Oh God, might be. I like. I'm not sure what else comes out this year, but it's gotta upset Empath here because this is this is a top tier music album. A hundred percent. I'm throwing Spirits Will Collide on the playlist right fucking now, and it's on there. So, y'all should go fucking listen to it, because holy shit, that, that song is just simply superb. Uh, I, I had to, I had to talk about it, because my god. I'm gonna go listen to it again. Wow, the Going Up Cast Song of the Week playlist is 7 hours and 22 minutes long. Almost a hundred songs. Almost a hundred songs are at 98. And with the two, actually, with the two from this episode beyond just this one, that's going to be 100 songs. Holy shit. What a playlist. Anyway, let's move on to the next thing. Bye.